Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars. Hello everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we are coming to you on Friday, October 14th. Brendan, the the playoffs are going as we know the Cubs are not a part of it, uh, but plenty going on around the league of Major League Baseball. How are you feeling now, you know, over a, a week or so removed from Chicago Cubs baseball? It's going to be a long off season. Corey. Um, yeah, this this one feels a little bit longer in anticipation. Like, I just want the playoffs to end. I just want to get to the hot stove rumor, see what the Cubs are ultimately going to do. This is a transitionary offseason. I just wanted to start. Yeah, debating the, you know, parsing the language of Tom Ricketts emails and Jed Hoyer radio hits and Carter Hawkins appearances and stuff. N- not exactly the most fun thing in the world. No, oh, I thought you like receiving Tom's emails. Yes. I thought that was your, I, your thing. I love them. Uh, I, yeah, I have I a know. few of them framed in my home. <laughs> sure right. You know. But uh, part we're, we're not going to parse uh, a lot of that stuff uh, in, in that way, but there are some interesting notes. Uh, Jed Hoyer, of course, had his year-end uh, State of the State of the Union on Monday. Our guy Ryan Herrera was there covering that live for chgo.com, allchgo.com. Jed Hoyer was on the radio, uh, 670 The Score, talking about some stuff, Carter Hawkins as well. So we'll talk about some of the stuff that was interesting in what they said. Uh, we're getting more info on Wilson Contreras and maybe the Cubs' line of thinking there. Um, and, but before we go any further though, Brendan, I do want to highlight that on Thursday, our guys in the studio, Luke, Cody, and Ryan spoke with Joe Madden, uh, for a little over 20 minutes as part of their episode on Thursday. So if you have not heard the conversation with Joe Madden, you can check that out in the podcast feed, uh, or on YouTube, if you'd like to see Joe Madden, uh, on the split screen with the guys in the studio. Really nice conversation. Uh, obviously, you know, he's got a book coming out. And, you know, Brendan, something a lot of people forget about Joe Madden is that he was the manager when the Cubs won the World Series. World Series, Corey. What, what year was that? That was 2016. Only a couple years ago, five years ago. That's not, well, six years ago now. That's not that We long are ago. getting to the point, and I, I thought of this kind of, you know, just in the, the buildup to uh, Joe joining the, the CHGO Cubs podcast. Um, we are getting to the point where it, it's like, it's not like a couple years ago, right? <laughs> I know. I'm like, you used to say it a couple yeah. years ago. <laughs> we're we're getting myself. up there in age for how long? In my mind, yeah. it's still a couple years ago. It will always be a couple Less years ago. Less than a decade, so. which is nice. Yeah, it yeah. is nice that the Cubs won the World there's Series. There's still yeah. not too many teams that have won a World Series like since then. So Yeah, it's been a while. Maybe Some teams even this century have not won. Right. So do check that out. Um, you know, some interesting stuff there from Joe and I think, you know, it's it's always interesting to hear, and, and part of why I brought that up about it it feeling a little further away now is it is interesting to hear him speak on this stuff. We, we heard him talk so much when he left the organization, when he joined the Angels, things like that, about some of that stuff, but it is interesting to hear him kind of have that perspective looking back now that you have a, a, a really significant, you know, benefit of hindsight and a lot of the, the stuff that happened with the Cubs, decisions, things like that in a different perspective. It reminds me of just how good those times were, you know, those good vibes, the good energy. Joe's very philosophical. He's very uh, heartfelt in his responses. And I was reminded, I, I miss that. I, of course, I love, you know, what Ross has said to the media and how he's worked with the media and the guys respect him. But I, I do miss 
some of those Maddenisms, if if you mm. will, uh, as as we joke about them. Like I, I I do miss some of those shenanigans that went on. Yeah, David Ross, uh, not nearly as eccentric as Joe. No, so a little more no. uh, classic baseball man in David Ross. But would Joe go on a dancing show? That's the thing, you know. Ross I think did, he so. would have. Yeah, I I, I absolutely true. think Actually, he would have. Yeah, he probably, probably I think would've. Joe would have killed that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. It is, you know, we all are, we are all also in that period where you know you kind of get these anniversaries. Obviously, it's October. Some people don't, you know, always like living in the past, as they might say. Uh, I do. Oh, I love I, it. I I wish I could live in the past almost permanently. To be honest, with yeah, you. I wish I could right now. Um, yeah. but watching on on Thursday, the thirteenth of October was the anniversary of the Cubs knocking the Cardinals out in the 2015 NLDS and it it comes up a lot I think on Cubs Twitter but really those back-to-back games it it really didn't get any better than that no those were two of my favorite wins of all time right like the one where they had six home runs the cores going off and then to come back the following game and and perform in that manner with Javi Baez hitting that three-run home run it was magical yeah game three is sort of just out of control with like Obviously, it's not the year they win the World Series. That was 2016, the next year. That they right, won the, World the Cubs, Series. who we're talking yeah. about. Okay. Um, yeah. But Game 3 in that 2015 NLDS is so wild because it— so they set a postseason record with six home runs in the game. Anthony been. and Chris go back-to-back in that game. Soler homers, Castro homers, Schwarber homers. Like— it, it just has such an air of like, you've built up this core and built up this young group, you know, that you're excited about and are going to lead the way forward. And then they all just homer in the same game, like setting a playoff record, beating your longstanding rival. It's, it's such like, you almost couldn't script that better for how it plays out in terms of just like the Cubs are here, right? They've arrived kind of a, a, a game. And I'm watching that game in the seventh and eighth inning, and you have that big lead. You see what the guys have done. That is the most relaxed I've ever been in a playoff game my entire life. Even more relaxed than any of those games in 2016, which most of which weren't relaxing. But that game three of the NLDS, that that may be my favorite Cubs playoff game outside the World Series and the pennant game of all time, just because it was such an effortless type feel once you got later in the game. You just knew like all the time, the decade of building that system, Theo and coming over for three, four, five years, building this up, it felt like an accumulation that was shorter than your expectations of arriving. It was it was phenomenal. I always I always live in the past when it comes to that, but I that particular game, I do need to remind myself just how nice that was. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, game four, they knocked the Cardinals out. It's Pat Hughes, I think the best call of his career, if I'm I'm saying oh, no so myself. Doubt about it. Right? Yeah, yeah I don't no think anything really beats that. Um, and, of course, you know, Schwarber hitting the ball onto the scoreboard. It's it's really just uh, quite quite an insane set of two days the, the sunset you know right in the background and, and also in the in those yeah. uh six home runs I didn't want to leave out Dexter Fowler who's the sixth home run in that game but he's not you know he Thank wasn't you. one of the young core members that were no. sort of coming up and being called upon would not be his last home run in a Cubs uniform I know uh, that's true Brendan that's a very good point yeah. that you yeah. make there yeah. um yeah. Yeah, so always fun to look back at that stuff. I think on uh, the 12th, I think on on October 12th, that's when they knocked out the Nationals. John Lester uh, is very drunk in the postgame. So I love looking back at that stuff. I know some people, you know, are going to, they're going to think, well, you know, we should be doing it still. And, you know, yeah, of course, you know, but it's still fun to look back at. And I think it was easy to reminisce on with Joe uh, appearing on the show as well. So... Um, I do getting into, you know, like the current, uh, state of things with where the Cubs are. So we had a lot of media availability from, uh, the front office and the leaders in the front office. As I said, we got that email from Tom, uh, you know, kind of the the same thing. I, I was saying to Luke when I was in the studio the other day that, 
you know, he always sends these emails or these letters. When when they used to send physical tickets to the season ticket holders, it would come in like this box that would include a letter from Tom. It's always the same stuff, right? So I know it, it enrages some people to hear from him. Uh, but, you know, in 2015 and 2016, he also said the same stuff. And technically, it was all true, right? They did win. Um, you know, now he says the same stuff. And it, you know, is a lot of jargon and uh, BS in some ways. And, you know, some of the letters have not held up very well uh, the last couple of years. But, you know, it's the same thing all the time. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but get get enraged at that at, at your discretion. Uh, the, the one thing that st- still stands out to me, Brendan, and I don't know if you continue to get this sense, but I, I still just think they're going to do stuff in this offseason. Just everything they keep saying, all of the language from Jed and Carter and even Tom, right? Like we've been let down a little bit before, but like I I continue to be optimistic that this is going to be an active offseason and nothing that these guys have said or how they're proceeding to go about these media availabilities has changed that. I don't think it has. I think if anything, it just bolsters that impression. We were under the belief that going into the offseason before we even heard Jed talk and Carter talk and reading Tom's emails, we were under the impression they would spend regardless just because of their complete uh, uh, huge flexibility in their payroll debt for this upcoming offseason. They have like 125 mil in room right now with arbitration and everything. So we just anticipated this would happen. Not, now you see some of the words and all of the media coverage align with those expectations, but ultimately they do have to actually go out and do it and what that actually means. You do hear intelligent spending right. and I I hate that sure. phrase. I I hate it not because I don't believe it. I hate it because it can be interpreted differently and you know I hate that um, type of uh, room for interpretation for some words. Uh, so I, I don't like that, but I don't really care. Just go out there and, and make the signings and make the team better. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to get too worked up by anything that they're saying. I'm definitely in a, you know, look, it's like this is an actions over words situation, right? You can parse through some things like that. You know, what does intelligence spending mean? Um, what does, you know, prioritizing building something really special for Cubs fans? Like, it's one of the things that Jed has repeatedly said. And it, you know, sort of hints at like this offseason, you know, or next year not being the peak of this all. But like, that doesn't really bother me. Like, that tracks with the state of the organization, right? Like, they can still field a good team, though, next year. And that sort of continues to be what everybody's saying. Um, but I, I wouldn't get too worked up about what they're saying, uh, because you also have to remember, it doesn't serve Jed in any way to come out and say, well, we're going to sign a top tier shortstop. That's one of our priorities. And we're going to blow past the luxury tax. Like that's not exactly a good, uh, tactical decision to reveal your entire strategy, right? Like agents would love to hear that from Chad Hoyer. You know what I mean? That he's promising certain things to the fan base. So it's easier to just play this coy game. I know everybody wants to hear them say, we're going to spend a billion dollars and win the World Series next year, every year. But like, he's not going to say that. So my viewpoint on this is judge them on their actions, right? When this offseason is over and they're selling a ball club to us in spring training ahead of opening day in 2023. If they didn't deliver on what we want them to, then we can all be very mad and we will be, right? Like we were this past off season, you know? Yeah. But I think it just makes more sense to not freak out about the exact words. The one thing that I I really thought was interesting, uh, Jed was on the score on Wednesday and I, I'm, I'm reading this. It was transcribed by friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, at the Blog Finds on Twitter, who, you know, I love Matt, but I feel like he should be giving me like a commission at this point. I shot him out a lot, you know, just saying. Um, but Jed said, said, quote, we definitely need to continue to add offensively. We didn't have enough power this year. When I look at the breakdown of our season, we just didn't blow anyone out. We played so many close games. That's taxing on your bullpen, and it also brings luck into the equation a lot. When you're playing a lot of close games, you're actively bringing randomness into the game. The the best teams blow people out. We go back and look at the 2016 team, 
which won the World Series. That emphasis is mine, not Jed's. It would be amazing if Jed said that, though. Yeah, people forget that. Yeah, uh, We go back and look at the 2016 team. We blew everyone out. You look at teams like the Braves and the Dodgers, what they do in games that are decided by five or more runs, and their record is incredible. He goes on to continue to talk about that. But that, so like instead of parsing through his words about how they're addressing the offseason and, you know, saying things like, well, Tom said the money will be there if we want it. You know, don't worry about that. See what they do. This stuff is interesting to me, though, because this is kind of a specific uh, pointing to a flaw with the team that he is airing out in public, which would suggest he's going to make some efforts to fix it. It reminds me, too, of what Theo said going into the 2016 season. After 2015, Theo said one of the priorities is adding more contact to the team. What happened? followed by a Ben Zobrist signing. So maybe there's alignment there in revealing maybe some of the limitations of the offense and what your priorities are and intentions are for signing certain guys. But I thought that stood out to me too. It also stood out to me as well, just the the way he described introducing randomness Mm -hmm. into the game. I like that because that, that, like when I talk about bullpen guys and me wanting guys that get more whiffs, uh, that that's kind of what I mean. Like to to parallel this with a lot of the talk around Wisniewski and Scott Efros. I like Efros is an awesome pitcher, and by the way, he's having Tommy John surgery. That sucks for him. Uh, when he's out there, he he's awesome. He has a unique release point. The issue that might be an issue is he was below league average in getting whiffs. I did not like the introduction of randomness when you don't get whiffs. So that also, in my mind, suggests Jed is overall looking at this picture and trying to limit the randomness extends to also trying to get more whiffs on this team. He didn't say that explicitly, but you know this is Jed Hoyer, and you look around the starting rotation and the, and the lack of power arms currently within this staff, it does make me think, okay, you know, well, we can get power in the form of offense. What does that actually mean now in the form of the pitching staff in the right. rotation? Will, they, will, they, will there be an emphasis to bring in more whiffs and not perhaps rely on some of the development of the current guys in the bullpen uh, or the rotation like Jeremiah Estrada, who can get whiffs? That, to me, also signals power on both sides of the diamond right and it 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 aligns with what we've heard from Jed before he's mentioned the offense lacking oomph right and and power and that that kind of thump that that you want which kind of makes sense right they course corrected in trying to find guys that made more contact because they really lacked that and now they have to supplement the guys that they found that do that with oomph and power right uh it this quote, like, it seems obvious, right? Like, oh, he wants to blow people out. What a novel thought. It's not, but it is interesting to hear the president of a team that should have a ton of resources going forward to find the players to do just that, kind of identify those specific things, like you talked about in pointing out randomness. Like, that was one of the key things which failed, of course, for the Cubs in 2022, is that, and we we talked about this relentlessly leading up to the season, like their margin for error was so thin because they didn't have that quality depth on the entire roster. They didn't have sure things at so many uh, starting positions and throughout the rotation with injuries and stuff like that. And it, it plays out exactly like that, where you're playing a lot of close games. And we saw that for a lot of the time. Like, even during some of those bad stretches, they weren't always getting blown out. Like, we remember that one game, uh, I think it was like Steele's, you know, what did he have, one bad start all year, and it was that one against the Reds mm-hmm. where the Reds scored, what it might have been 20 runs. Um, like, they didn't have a, that many games like that. A lot of them were blown leads or really tight losses all those extra inning right, games where it's just in the like two yeah, months like this kind of makes sense like this team isn't great and you're getting into randomness and and who can come through with the big hit things like that and they just don't have the depth they don't have the roster for this and I think if they are planning on it it's a lot easier to survive injuries or lack of depth or things like that when you can just like outslug people you know yeah and 
he brings up the 2016 example, and like that team was like almost perfect in basically every facet of the game. But that was a hallmark of theirs that they blew people out, and there was no room for randomness, right? Because they were just that good. And of course, it may take some time to build a team that even comes close to resembling the 2016 Cubs. But I really liked this quote from from Jed. That that's like the the roundabout conclusion to this is I liked this a lot, and I I think if this is the type of insight into how he's evaluating this offense and what they need to do to fix it, again saying you want to blow people out is an obvious thing, but I think that that whole quote speaks to his mindset, and it it was intriguing to me hearing this on the radio. Yeah, I know everyone liked hearing Theo. I like I loved hearing Theo talk. Uh, one aspect of Jed's communication that I've appreciated over the past year uh, is he's not he's being transparent, but not in an overwhelming way where he's going out of his way to really reveal what he's doing. Um, not saying that Theo did that all the time, but Theo. We knew once the season ended, you have an hour and a half with Theo, like about like on you know the the podium giving all of his thoughts. I, that was fun with Jed. I kind of like the 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 briefness, the conciseness of his uh, conferences and all of his talks. I just like the the no nonsense approach. And maybe the only criticism is how he handled the media post trade deadline with the core, but. Overall, I just like how he's like right up front saying, I'm not going to talk about negotiations. I'm, I, like To me, that just gives the media less room to make narratives that, as a fan, like I just find annoying yeah. and, and repetitive at yeah. times. So, so I just want to yeah. finish the, the rest of this quote because I think it, it sort of adds to this, and I think it's worth reading. He, he goes on after you know saying the part about the Braves and the Dodgers and their record and, and games decided by five or more runs. He says, that to me is the mark of a really good team. If you have a great bullpen, occasionally you can have a team where you're really, really good in one or two run games. But historically, one run games are usually around a 500-ish record, give or take a little bit. The teams that really separate themselves are the teams that can spread games out. We had no ability to do that this year, and we have to improve that ability. Some of that, I really believe, is coming through the farm system, but we also have to look externally as well and find players that can help us build that kind of offense. And again, he keeps highlighting that it wasn't something they were able to do in 2022 and like something you, you know, really have to be able to do. And like one game that comes to mind, and this is just a specific example, but it's game six against the Dodgers when they win the pennant in 2016. They score early off of Kershaw and they didn't stop, right? You, they, they don't win that game by 10 runs, but they get on the board early and they keep going, right? They keep adding, they keep chipping away to distance that game and allow Kyle Hendricks to have, a, a, you know, relatively, especially in the playoffs, you know, comfortable cushion to be pitching in. And when you watch the 2022 team, like that just wasn't really something that they had the ability to do. They might take a lead, but they'd give it back or it would be too close and you're relying on the bullpen for four innings to hold a one-run lead. And it's just a very difficult ask, right? Even when the Cubs had those top four guys in the bullpen, you know, they're going to have hiccups and stuff. And it would happen at the wrong time. Like one, one day it was this guy, one day it's the next. So much up to randomness. I don't know. Like to me... Brendan, you read these quotes like they're going to spend some money on some good players, right? Like otherwise, these quotes just don't make any sense. And now I will say we have had that happen before, right? The offense broke in 2018 and they didn't do anything. Terrible quote. Right? Terrible quote and one we still look back on and say, why did you say this? And then signed, well, I'm not going to say it. You're going to yell at me. Whoa. I didn't say it. (laughs) You set up the the first syllable of it. You guys know who it was. But so it can happen. And like, I, you know, I think we look back at that and that was probably an ownership thing where they maybe close the wallet. We're, We're not really positive, right? So sometimes that does happen. And I get if you're skeptical about that, but I just don't get that vibe. Well, they were, they were also, 
over the luxury tax. Yes, yeah. when, right. when they, they didn't did have that. as much flexibility. This yeah, whole they have, quote just reads to me like, here is my specific problem with the offense we just had, and I intend on dealing with it, right? Yeah. They also hired back those scouts and those personnel that were let go during the COVID season. I think the Athletic posted between 50 to 100 personnel are now back. So if you want to point towards budget restrictions and that being a consistent problem, those personnel are back. And again, they have like, you know, 100-ish or so million dollars in payroll flexibility that they didn't have towards those late 2010s teams that Joe was managing. Uh, You can criticize them for not going over that luxury tax even more, but nevertheless, that's not a barrier. It's not part of the same discussion that we're we're having today. And it does remind me, before I do this ad break here, when when Jed's talking about reducing randomness, that, that also is in the context of trying to project your current guys even coming through the farm system, even discussing Wisniewski and discussing Steele and Thompson and some of these starting pitching options. So, you know, it, it wouldn't also surprise me if he goes out there and trades for a starting pitcher who has a history of acquiring innings, you know, 150 plus innings, just to reduce the potential of not being able to fill those innings if your current guys like Steele and Thompson, etc., aren't able to withstand a consecutive season. Now, what's the likelihood of that happening where they can't withstand that? I, I don't know, but they, you know, that chance is there. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating offseason, man. I just you know, we'll, we'll see where we are in, in six months, but I just, I don't see this being a repeat of multiple seasons. And, you know, God help us if it is. Uh, but also, one last note, that's that's why I don't like the intelligent spending term, because as you mentioned with Theo and the offense broke, I don't want to be talking three years from now about, you know, oh, they said they're going to spend intelligent, uh, intelligently. Like this, limit those phrases as much as possible. Yeah. Just go up in the podium, do your thing. Don't just stop. Just like, you know, it's not their fault. It's not a big deal. It's just kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, now I'm waiting, you know, they better be blowing yeah. people out, right? You said you wanted to blow people out. Well, go build a team that can blow people well, there out, you right? Go. Like, All right. Tom, well, you know, Tom my... said the ball's in your court, Jed. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe all my uh, commending of Jed is a little bit uh, too fast there uh, now that you bring all this up. Okay, quick break here from our new sponsor, Corey, Shady Rays. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability and styles catered to everyone and everyone's lifestyle. I just spent like, you know, 20 minutes. There's so many options of different styles. I couldn't find which one I wanted. I got two pairs of Shady Rays, Corey. I got like this light brown pair. I got this uh, dark brown pair as well. So added to my collection of sunglasses. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements, so that if you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. If you drop them in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they will replace them even with that strong of a protection program they still manage to make super high quality sunglasses that i can tell you just looking at them i'm looking forward to seeing them uh i've heard from other people that have them they are just very superb high quality sunglasses and they even have over twenty thousand five star reviews Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season right now. So use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. And you can redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Second break here from our sponsor. You guys have heard us talk about them several times. It's Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticking site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you want to go to some Bears games this season, uh, see Justin Fields play. He looked very well in his last outing. You can get tickets. And you know, if you get tickets through game time, they're going to be the best deal possible. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat on the 50-yard line, if you want to go to Bulls games are coming up, the Blackhawks just launched their season. If you want to sit uh, right on the glass, game time is your app. You won't find a better deal this season on Blackhawks games, Bulls games, Bears games, and soon-to-be Cubs games once hopefully this offseason 
rolls along here. Game time is created by the fans for the fans and guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in this description. So join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Brendan. So sticking with uh, some of the stuff that I thought was interesting uh, from Jed Hoyer, all of this media availability, um, you know, one thing before I get to that, like he is he is taking the responsibility for all of this, like whether that is him being uh, confident or a good company man for his boss, Tom, we'll see, right? But like he, he said in this six, uh, 670 The Score interview, I know that if I provide the right information, defend my case, and have thought of everything, ownership will support any move he wants to make. I mean you're really falling on the sword, right? Like if you don't end up spending money, there's you're making it seem as though there's nobody to blame but you and that you didn't want to justify spending the money, right? Yeah. Whether that's how yeah. it really is or Tom is just like, hey, you got to say some stuff because this is the budget you have. Like who knows, right? We'll see. What do you, do you, do you believe it? Ooh, I don't know. That's a tough question. Yeah, I, I really, I don't know, honestly. I believe it. I believe it. I, I know it's, gonna, it's like an unpopular opinion, but uh, and I don't agree with you know what ownership did in 2020 and the Schwarber stuff and the personnel stuff. But the overwhelming majority of the past 10, 12 years that Hoyer's been in the front office, they when they go out and intend to compete wholeheartedly, they they do so. When they're below the luxury tax, they want to compete. They meet the luxury tax standards. So that gives me an extra degree of confidence that they do have the ability to go out there and make moves. Is it to the liking of like going 260 million plus uh, that some fans want? Maybe not, but to spend a hundred million dollars to be by that threshold certainly seems plausible given where they've been when they were in their competitive window. Yeah. So the a, a couple things that I I you know, still wanted to touch on. Um, David Ross came up in this interview. He's come up a lot. And I think it's interesting to kind of pair with, you know, a big thing uh, that Joe Madden, you know, it's part of his book and something he's been talking about a lot, uh, you know, since his uh, time with the Angels came to an end, was the involvement of front office in, in, in managing, right? And, you know, there's a lot of different opinions about whether that's uh, correct, you know, the, the correct take, uh, fair, et cetera, et cetera. You know, some people maybe suggest sour grapes from Joe because he was let go by the Angels. Who knows, right? Um, everyone's going to have their own opinion on that. And each front office and how they work with a manager is going to be different. But that's not really the, the point I, I want to get into. But I bring it up because... You have Joe kind of really on a crusade against how the relationship was with the front office in Los Angeles, Anaheim, right? Um, and how over-involved he believed they were. It, it seems like the situation with David Ross and this front office is really quite good. And, you know, we've talked about like, how do we feel about Ross as like a tactical manager and stuff like that, and some of the decisions he's made, etc. But it does really appear that the way this organization from the front office to really the entire coaching staff, but I bring up Ross because he's the manager, and that's who Hoyer was praising specifically, seems good and healthy for where they want it to be. I think so. I I think if you look at some of the moves Ross has made, uh, for example, the multiple inning reliever type of scenarios that have been good in some situations, bad in other situations, annoying and unpredictable at times, uh, much to the displeasure sometimes of you know you and I. The the principle that I do like is that Ross is willing to be almost a liaison between the front office perhaps the scouts, the infrastructure at the pitching level, and the players. Like, the players buy into this stuff. So to see, for example, like Marcus Stroman try to change his repertoire early on in the season, I think is a testament to the environment that Ross 
promotes the environment and the familiarity he has with Tommy Hadovy and even Craig Breslow, who's uh, a, a big time vice president's executive in this front office. And he and Breslow were teammates in 2013. Ross is familiar with that. It speaks to their ability to communicate, to operate as one functional unit. And this is, this is of course, no criticism and not to deny what Joe is saying. I, of course, you have to take his words for what they are, but at least in the Cubs situation, it does does appear to be working really well. From the tactical standpoint, on maybe making like a seventh and eighth inning decision move, I don't even know if I'm comfortable saying I, I like what Ross has done. Just in general, I like the environment that he's promoting, and I like the ability for the Cubs to kind of mix and match all these different units at different levels of the organization and come to a cohesive outcome. And that even extends to Justin Steele and developing those two unique fastballs and not inundating his his brain with trying to develop uh, a curveball or changeup, but rather refocusing those intentions on making the most out of his fastball and sinker and just going to pitch types. And that changed from this current thinking, the trajectory of his career. I think I just think that's a, a testament to what he's been able to do with the coaches. And I'm, I'm encouraged about that in, in the next year. Yeah, I, I, I think... I don't think there was ever any doubt that Hoyer has been happy with Ross and that relationship is good, but uh, especially as we enter this offseason and we're kind of hoping for some significant changes to the roster, just feels interesting to, you know, kind of point out again, it it seems like that is uh, a situation that everybody is happy with. Um, So as, you know, many teams are changing managers, the team across town is going to need to find a new manager, does not appear that that is uh, one of the changes that is going to be happening anytime soon. I do think, before we move on here, I I don't see this, at least in my, like, circles, Ross getting his justified credit perhaps Corey like like he he was a big part of the second half turnarounds like he he is the main guy at the helm they finished what 39 and, and 31 mm-hmm. whatever the record was in the second half like Ross was the guy leading the charge dude he was the one in charge of developing different protocols and game usage for his pitchers like he's the one organizing this he does deserve credit right I, you know, and, and going, switching to, it, 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 there's something that uh, Carter Hawkins said uh, when he appeared uh, on Marquee earlier this week. Uh, I know some people don't think Carter Hawkins is real, uh, but uh, he is. Uh, I can assure you of that. We saw him. But have you seen him with your own eyes? I have not seen him with my own eyes. Well, but, how do we know? And I mean, maybe this is just an actor that they hire. I don't know. But it's he possible. appears to be a real person. Um he said that, you know, he, and, uh, you know, of course, look, he works for the Cubs, right? So take this however you want. But he did say that, you know, he's been a part of some teams, been in some clubhouses that were out of the playoff race in the second half. And, you know, he spoke very highly of the energy, the focus, the commitment to, you know, the daily grind and, and trying to win baseball games that this second half Cubs team had. And, you know, look, for as much as we talk about this second half and some of the things that went well, their record being pretty good, this, that, and the other, I promise you, right, Brendan and I, nobody a part of this CHGO Cubs squad wants to sit here and pat a 74-win team on the back for trying real hard in the second half, right? But this stuff hopefully translates to the future, right? That's why we keep talking about it, right? We're not like going to hang a, you know, we're not the Nashville Predators, right? We're not going to hang a banner for having a good second half, right? Very specific reference that uh, it was very you don't specific. watch hockey. I, you, I, I don't understand the reference, but it's it I think specific. they. I think one time they hung a banner for like making the playoffs or like getting the eighth seed or something. It was, it was really not something you hang a banner for, and it was very funny. Um <laughs> It has like Brewer's energy, like wild card participant. You know, they'll put a pennant on oh, their thing, right? You know it. what I mean? Yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. we're not here to do that, right? The, the Cubs should be better than us talking about a good record in the second half of a season where they miss the playoffs. But I, getting back to the original point, I think the fact that David Ross was able to keep these players focused, energized and hungry to compete and make the most of their playing time, you know, things like that, like whoever it was, I do think that is a testament to how players respect him, how they view him as a manager, and just what the vibe in the clubhouse is, right? Like, not to 
always, you know, it's it's an easy comparison, but like in Chicago, we spent all year here listening to how weird things seem to be for the White Sox, right? And how much of that kind of seemed to be a reflection of the manager. And like, where did the fun and the spark in that clubhouse go when they hired Tony La Russa, right? And so I do think it is worth noting that, you know, Ross is the manager of this team and the clubhouse seemed to be together. They were up for every game, even though they were playing meaningless games basically since what, June, right? Like, I do think that, I, I think that says at least a little something about David Ross. Like, we can nitpick how he, you know, each individual decision or things like that, but I don't think it's nothing that that vibe seemed to be as good as it was. I do do think that that matters. Whether it translates to winning going forward is something that remains to be seen and depends on a lot of the other stuff that we're talking about. But I, I, I think it's worth noting. Morale matters. Having a good working environment matters. I'm sure many listeners have been in working environments that was not positive. It wasn't an environment that you want to go work in, and it, it doesn't lead to execution. With the Cubs, the environment was optimal. They got execution in the second half that was driven by new arrivals, new players. The Wisniewskis, Justin Steele anchoring down that rotation spot. Keegan Thompson proving himself as a viable starting pitching candidate, getting contributions from guys in the bullpen as well, and seeing guys continue to flourish at the plate, including Ian Happ and Nico Horner. So that that does matter. It's the way they went out and executed. It wasn't due to guys that are not relevant for, for next season. So you do have to give David Ross credit in, in that respect. All right, so another break here from our sponsor. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you want to go root on the Bulls on their opening nights next Wednesday, October 19th in Miami, GameTime is your app. You'll be able to get the best seats at the most efficient price. You're guaranteed that if you want to go see the Bulls open up against Cleveland, uh, Opening night in Chicago is Saturday, October 22nd. You can even get get tickets to that as well. Game time, I've used game time to get tickets. Even last second, like the day of, it's just really easy to use and you won't find a better deal this season for the Bulls, Blackhawks, and for the remainder of the Bears season. Again, this is created by the fans, for fans like myself and Corey, and they do guarantee the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love game time. And so the best way to support us is by using game time, by buying tickets through the link in this description. So join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Brendan. So kind of just wrapping up on, you know, these early off-season thoughts and all of that, uh, Jed did confirm that they are going to extend a qualifying offer to Wilson Contreras. Oh, I thought you were going to say trade for Shohei Otani, but that's He okay. did not confirm that. Um, okay. I'll have to go back through the transcript and yeah, see if I can that, find that. Just in case you missed yeah, it. Yeah, like between the lines or something like that. Yeah. Maybe the first yeah. letter of every sentence he said spells, you know, we're getting Otani yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to extend the qualifying offer. Uh, he said they'll talk to his agent from there. Um, you know, that situation remains something that we'll have to see how it plays out. I continue to believe uh, that they're, you know, he'll move on, test free agency, and that'll be that. But, you know, I, I suppose you never know. But I, I still remain convinced um, that they want that kind of top tier signal caller, pitch receiver, whatever you want to call it. And that's their main priority, and that they've, you know, just aren't feeling this. Has your opinion changed since the trade deadline? Like my opinion, I wanted Wilson extended. I thought the price may have aligned given the Cubs' payroll flexibility. The offense looked good. The contact rate was improved. The catch framing statistics were being average, slightly below league average for multiple seasons now. I, I thought it made sense given the alternatives. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know... I, I, I don't know if it, it has really changed because I, I still think like 
it might maybe it depends on how how long of a wait so does that mean you want to actually extend him or like like what do you mean by it has well I, I think it depends on how long of a deal he's looking for i understand the trepidation if he's looking for a five or six year deal and as a catcher it's just not something that jet is interested in right um we don't know what the budget is and how that would all fit into it but like i i you know sort of think like they should have the money to do as they please and i didn't really mind the um, Jan Gomes Wilson situation that they had, and like you have the DH spot, you're not really sure what's going on at first base. Like I just think there's a way to make that work um, and keep Wilson's offense around. Um, but you know, yeah. I do think that depends Same. on what kind of deal you're looking at. And I, I love Wilson Contreras, right? And you and I at the deadline and and everything. We talked so much about what he means to this organization, what he means to the younger players, how long he's been in this organization, et cetera, et cetera. Um, If Jed is of the belief that he wants someone who is at the top, top tier of pitch calling, framing, those types of things, which once again, I'll reiterate, half the Cubs pitching staff talked about how great Jan Gomes was at a lot of that stuff. And a lot of the Cubs pitching staff had lower ERAs when Jan Gomes was catching. That seems to be a pretty popular strategy. I'm not sure if I can fault Jed for feeling that way, right? Like I think, as I said at the beginning, is where I would be more critical of it. Like I think now that you have the DH position and you've you know, finally figured out that you need to spend money on a backup catcher for Wilson, if that's how you're going to do it. I think they can make that work, uh, depending on what Wilson is asking for. But if that's the strategy that they want to employ, a lot of good teams do that. So I, I'm not sure I can really fault them for preferring that, right? Yeah. Well, I think for me, it has changed a little bit. It depends on how they feel the void. But what's changed is how I saw Gomes and the pitching staff respond to Gomes. And part of me wonders, part of me is trying to figure out how much credit do you assign Gomes for allowing these pitchers to change their repertoire successfully? So you look at, for example, Justin Steele and going away from, you know, slider, curve, change, sinker, force him to being just a two-pitch guy. I wonder to what degree was Jan Gomes involved in that success. I also look at Stroman and going from a four-seam guy back to a two-seam slider guy. How involved was Jan Gomes in that? What about Jan Gomes and calling Keegan Thompson and developing that new slider? And what about Jan Gomes and bringing up a young, promising pitcher in Wisniewski? How responsible was he for that in the game calling all with that? And then I go back even further prior to Kyle's injury. Kyle was incredibly, incredibly uh uh, effusive in his praise for Jan Gomes. And Kyle responded pretty successfully in some of those starts when Jan Gomes was catching that even you and I wondered, all right, well, is Jan Gomes going to be Kyle's personal catcher going forward despite his familiarity with Wilson Contreras over the years? So that that is new. And I don't know how I feel about that. All I can do is just listen to the front office and the players and, and, and hearing them describe the value of Jan Gomes. So for me, there is value to that. And if there is as significant value as they make it out to be, then I can understand moving on from Wilson Contreras. I can also understand adding a catcher that's not Wilson Contreras, that's cost-effective in a way to improve elsewhere, to add more viable power to the lineup that isn't as random as Wilson Contreras is. Because Wilson, as a catcher, as any catcher does, they're not going to play every single game. They're not going to be that staple in the lineup for 600 plus plate appearances a year. It's just not possible with the overwhelming majority of catchers. So if you want to limit the randomness, then perhaps that money is best spent on bringing in a an anchor in, in your lineup. So I, I do understand that. And then looking at the current crop of free Asian catchers, there, there's some interesting guys that you can look at and be like, all right, yeah, that, that makes sense. One of whom is Omar Navarez was on Milwaukee in 2021. He led the league in uh, uh, framing runs in Major League Baseball. This season, he was top 10 in the league. So he's a well above league average framer. His career WOBA is 319. Like that 
that makes sense. Like obviously it makes sense on paper. Can he call games? And you know, I, I I don't know. I'm assuming he can, given how many plate appearances he has. And then you look even further down the list. If you want a game caller, perhaps Austin Hedges can't hit the baseball that well. Is well below league average offensively, but he's he was in Cleveland for three years. Overlapped his time with Carter Hawkins when he was in Cleveland. Uh, above average framer that could be one guy and then Christian Vasquez who was traded from the Red Sox to the Astros recently he's been better offensively he was league average offensively this season race above average in framing uh, was also commended for his ability to call games so you can make the argument that Wilson's money if you don't give him that contract is better spent elsewhere but it depends how they use the other funds to bolster this team and if they don't go out and and improve this power and improve the lineup and you have this kind of void in, in payroll then I will wonder huh like why like maybe spending three four years on Wilson and, and accepting that risk and some of those limitations and catching may have yeah. made sense when I think that squares with how a lot of people felt uh last year as well right like we debated endlessly what they you know who they should keep how they should approach uh the you know top three members of the core prior to the trade deadline and I think uh removing emotion from it like one of the main things that a lot of people felt was, well, if you're going to trade away these guys who mean so much to everybody, and you've decided that none of them are worth keeping around uh, longer term, you better spend that money and like supplement this team with other players. And they didn't do that in a sufficient enough way. It was like, okay, so now we, you know, and again, like Jed looks correct on a lot of these decisions in hindsight. But a lot of people still felt like, okay, like all, they're trading away all our favorite players and like fan favorites and community favorites and giving us nothing, right? In in yeah. in return, like that doesn't really work for everybody. I still think there's going to be room for debate about how he even handled Wilson from the right. offseason last season and not trading him to not trade him at the deadline. I know the offseason with the lockdown was difficult to maneuver and hard to get teams involved and everything, but ultimately it's very possible he walks away and you get like the 75th draft pick and that's all you get for him. So I, th- I still think there will be room for debate whether or not he went about the Wilson saga appropriately. Yeah, no, I I definitely think that that is fair, and it's, yeah, I continue to believe that they're just not super interested in that, but uh, something that we will have to see how that goes and and how they decide to replace that production or or spend that money. I do think that's the key, right? They have to. to. If you don't bring Wilson back, then you have to do it. This is all. This is all under the assumption that that money is spent on reducing right. randomness, well, to reducing nonsense. And you know, talking about the strategy that some teams use, the Astros are a great example, right? Martin Maldonado is a horrible hitter, horrific, right? But they don't care, right? Because he catches Justin Verlander, who's I, you know, I, I one of the candidates at least to win the Cy Young. He catches uh their their younger starters that are great he manages the a pitching staff that is very very good right he controls the run game he does all of that and they let Jordan Alvarez worry about driving in the runs right not Martin Maldonado they don't care about that but that's the point right if you're gonna let Wilson go and that's the strategy you want to employ you got to go get some guys that are gonna score runs right because it like Jan yeah. Gomes was f- fine for what he is and and what they're asking him to do, uh, but to your point, Brendan, Jan Gomes is going to be the key to you blowing teams out, right? So if that's the direction you want to go, a lot of good teams do it. It's it's proven to be something you can do successfully. But okay, go spend that money on guys who are going to help you score runs because otherwise we're back in this same cycle of hey, you said this one thing. And you did this thing that a lot of people were kind of pissed off about, and it, it you didn't really replace it or you didn't supplement it in the proper way, right? Right. Well, that that's that is going to be a problem. Again, this is assuming that not only do you go out and you get that anchor in, in the order from a different position, but you also improve your catching position in combination. So you can't just like get rid of Wilson and not even get another catcher, Corey. You like you can't go into the season with Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins as as right. your duo, even though PJ was very versatile. You can't trust an older thirty five plus year old Jan Gomes to right. catch with PJ Higgins, who didn't really catch that much. He was playing a lot of first base um, towards the latter half of the season last year. So when they, I think like PJ will... I think is fine. I don't think he's helping you on 
either of those ends though right like he's yeah. not going to be an offensive he's a great he's a good depth right. piece if you want to hold on to he's, him he's not going to be that offensive weapon like Contreras ever was and he's also not going to be on Gomes in terms of the defense or you know one of those tip-top defensive catchers so it's like yeah he's fine depth but like he's not solving that issue uh one thing I don't know if this informs your decision making but when I did video for the San Diego Padres in the Arizona Summer (laughs) League about a decade ago I did live in a hotel for a brief period with Austin Hedges okay so what do you think is he uh cub material I think I said three words to him in an elevator one time Okay. Um, and and your takeaway was yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes. right. Uh, I'm positive. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, right, you know, well, I just I go. didn't know if you know technically he and I were colleagues. I don't know if that affects your. All right. Well, you know what? When he uh, when he signs with the Cubs, we'll get him on the show. How right. About that? Uh, he yeah. and I were colleagues, much in the same way that at the same time Jed Hoyer and I were colleagues, meaning that oh, none of them go. knew who I was, uh, but technically we were employed by the same organization. Wait, did you guys overlap the same year? I believe so. Look at that. I, I probably should know that. the answer to that. Uh, yeah. I think Josh Burns was the GM at the time. Because Joe was, what, 2010, 2011? Uh, dude, I don't know. I was, you know, I, I was a video old. intern for the summer, you know, the summer AZL team. I wasn't required to know all of this, you know. Didn't you put on a national uniform in, like, the Dominican? That was with like the that? Texas Rangers. Yes, I served as the okay. honorary bench coach for a nine-game <laughs> winning streak. Okay. Good for yes, you, man. That was a lot of fun. That's quite the uh, organized baseball yeah. career. Uh, my, my favorite part of that was uh our manager was at third base for one of the games and we had written down very limited scouting information available obviously in the Dominican Summer League um but we had written down you know which guys struck out a lot which guys were patient and took walks and things like that just to you know monitor like how we were attacking like base stealers and things like that and I remember at one point we had agreed on like a signal from the dugout that I was going to give to him as to like what type of hitter this was generally and he couldn't see he couldn't see what I was doing and so I just yelled like (laughs) he strikes out a lot like across the diamond um okay so you know sometimes you got to get the you got to get the message across you don't generally yell stuff like that across the field kind of gives away what you're thinking but well you know that's how you win nine games that is how you win nine games in a row yes um so yeah an interesting time for the chicago cubs organization and this team i i i come back to brendan like it's it's all about actions right like we can hear all of this we can you know make sense of all of what they're saying here here's the one thing that I do know and I and especially like when they're giving these interviews and a lot of it is you know kind of vague platitudes and team speak and this that and the other the fan base is really not going to tolerate another sort of bs we're hoping to be competitive kind of thing if they don't really believe that the roster can do that right? We saw the attendance go down. They were under 3 million. And like, you know, it's still a ton of money. That's still way better than a lot of teams, but it's not where the Cubs should be. And it's not where they have been in their most successful years. Like, I think people are, are, their patience for this is really thin. And it's fine to not lay out your specific strategies or like exactly tell people what you're going to do, or, you know, maybe make grand promises that you want to be careful because sometimes the world, you know, best laid plans don't work out that way, whatever it is. But this had all better be leading to something productive this offseason, because otherwise this is just not, it. it's not good, right? Like the way that they're talking about this wouldn't square with that. No, it, well, you, it, it doesn't matter what the fans think, because what, what they end up not doing, and that's not tuning into Marquee Sports Network, like you're going to get your ratings drop 20% again. So you're going to be losing all that money. And Jed knows that, right? Or uh, uh, Tom knows that, right? So there's even further incentive to spend to ensure that your new TV network is not going to drop 20% on another year. So that gives me confidence. I think the fans have every right to be annoyed about everything and a little anxious given how things have ended and some of the uncertainty with different front offices over the past three seasons and COVID and all that stuff. But I I feel cautiously optimistic. But again, those are just famous last words until we see it. 
Right. So, you know, and per usual, like, I don't blame anybody if they're skeptical or sick of this stuff. And as I think we said a couple times ago, like, if you have a higher expectation for this, right? Like, if you're sitting here thinking, competing for the division, like, screw that. Like, this should be one of the best teams in baseball on an annual basis. The Astros, I think, think are on the verge of, what, their sixth straight championship series, if they can win one more against the Mariners. Like, if that's yeah. the standard you're holding the Cubs to, I don't blame you, right? Like, I, that's where I want them to be, too. We try to just talk about things. This is what they—I always say this. Like, they decided to go down this path. We complained about it a ton, right? But they're on the path. So we're just trying to figure out how we best proceed forward, and this is where it is. But I, I do think that uh, it's going to be a productive offseason. It's going to be an interesting one. We just have to— wrap up these playoffs and and then we can really get to it uh it'll start with that Wilson Contreras decision and situation and then uh hopefully Jed can start tossing some money around uh but intelligently Brendan you know yeah intelligently I hate that so much yeah I'm I'm not if it's yeah it's it's a very useful qualifier language wise if you do end up not doing stuff or failing well you just know it's going to come back if you don't do anything that's all i just hate that it's a boomerang right yeah it is um but yeah that's how i feel so before we hop off though i will ask you um how many is it two of them i think are playing in the playoffs one of them is who was it one of them was on set after the game today uh and i'm already blanking on oh uh no bogarts is at home um how do you have a preference if they're gonna (laughs) sign uh, someone to play shortstop and i listen we're we're Uh, we're at we're at around an hour here do not all right you were under why are you asking this at an hour mark then you you are under strict orders not to go on a tangent here about nico horner we know all right just answer the question of those main shortstops do you have a lead horse right now and is watching any of them in the playoffs informing any of those decisions? Uh, n- no, the playoffs don't do much for me unless they go on like an absolute tear. Uh, if I had to pick today, I'd pick Bogarts. I think Bogarts is the, yeah, one guy from a from a dollar per war standpoint, it mitigates the long-term risk. Uh, also his offensive profile, is predicted to age better than Trey Turner's. Uh, I like all three. I would be very excited about all three. This is not to condemn any of the others, but from a cost perspective, from the positional flexibility, you can put Nico back at shortstop if you need to. Um, I like the way that sounds. I like the way that the team is operated with a, a contact mid to power guy in Xander Bogarts that could be, you know, shortstop or third yeah. base. I, I only asked about the playoffs because, like, on Wednesday, because Trey Turner went yeah, off. Yeah, on Wednesday, you know, so yeah. Trey Turner has two home runs in the NLDS so far. Dansby Swanson made an incredible play over his shoulder, um, you know, just sort of highlighting his his defense, which is obviously uh, something that he's quite well known for. So I was just curious if that was, you know, sort of sticking out. I, I didn't expect— I mean, this is all this is all under, under the impression, too, that you sign Bogarts and use that money for someone else, too, right? So if you're going to make one big splash signing, then I don't think Bogarts is the guy. But, you know, if you go out and, and spend elsewhere to really solidify that team, then I think Bogarts gives you the best path forward to do that. Sure. Right now, at yeah, least. I I don't know that I have a preference. Like, if it was my money to intelligently spend, I'm gonna keep making fun of him for that because I I it does see it is a go. silly so it is that. a silly thing to say, right? Um, he the way like he qualifies it in certain ways, it's fine, right? I know what he means, but like it is still kind of funny. It's just it, it's always funny to me when front offices have like lines that they say over and over and over again, right? Like Theo Epstein's, right? Say it with me, everybody. Was it's not linear, right? He said that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I still use that even not in baseball. I terms. I just love when got you know front offices it's they're like uh you know they're like pro wrestlers they have like catchphrases you know they could put it on a t-shirt you know <laughs> jed hoyer could have a t-shirt that's his face and it says intelligent spending on it with him like holding a stack of cash um Ooh, that's a good one. i i don't think i have a preference of who i would choose i do think and i've thought this for a minute i it i just think correa's the guy I think that's where it ends up. 
All right. So we have uh, many more weeks to talk yeah, about this. Like they, you know, I'm they were like that. maybe in on it or at least having conversations this last time. And I don't know. There's just. I don't know. Jed seems cautious, right? He seems cautious. Like this is different than like who you want. Right. But like Jed seems cautious in giving out long-term right. contracts. Yes. So, no, he, you know, he we'll definitely, see. we do know, and we've already seen this like with Stroman. Like, if someone is interested in taking a shorter-term, higher AAV or, you know, d- moving the guaranteed money around options, whatever it is, right, to get the the shorter years, he may jump at that. So that's also one of those things where, like, th- the offseason sometimes comes to you in a way um, with what guys are looking for, who's available. You know, and, like, some of these guys, too, like, a, a lot of pe- you know, the Braves lock up everybody but not Dansby Swanson. Maybe they change their mind on that. Who knows, right? Um, but he's an, he's an interesting he's, one. He's you know? the like, lowest. What does his market look for like? me? He's the, the lowest four. on the list for me too. But I mean, if his market falls considerably, then you have to consider it. That defense is like the best in right. the league, Corey. Well, and, and, and that's how, the same thing. If, if if the if you can get him on the shorter deal, if the market isn't as exciting for him as it is for someone like Correa or Turner same thing like okay do that and then use that money but he's not he's not a elsewhere. priority he should not be a priority right but then if you if it works use that money elsewhere you right. have to exactly yeah. yeah so all right well maybe that's something we'll continue to to update maybe that's something we'll continue to update uh as we go on in these off-season episodes we'll, we'll see if our opinion on these shortstop changes and right? i think so, it will like i could be trey turner next week for all i know Right. So for the moment, Xander Bogarts is at the top of Brendan's for the reasons he laid out. But yeah. does it stay that I way? I changed my mind. Right. Yes. Uh, I think that is what we have for you. Um, as we noted last week, Brendan and I, uh, it is the off season. So if this is your first year listening to us, uh, we typically uh, only do one episode a week. And that is how we will be proceeding forward now that we are uh, with the CHGO team. Uh, you can still get your daily fix uh, with Luke and Cody and Ryan. Uh, and also, you know, Brendan and I will appear as well on those daily episodes from Monday through Thursday. I was on the show on Tuesday. So you can always look for your daily shows. And then Brendan and I will continue to post on Friday mornings through the off season um, and kind of, you know, doing our thing as we usually did. So uh, as always, want to thank you for listening to and supporting CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Go check out the interview with Joe Madden from Thursday's episode. Uh, As always, it is Bears season, uh, tons of Bear coverage going on at CHGO. Uh, You've got the, you know, the main Bears crew and they're doing Bears after dark, watch-alongs with the games, Uh, plenty of coverage uh, for you Bears fans out there. So be sure to check all of that out. Brendan and I will talk to you again next Friday morning and we will continue. uh, We'll be a week closer to Jed intelligently spending and finding out exactly what that means, and just how intelligent it seems. Uh, So thank you again for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.